for encouragement and correction. Lord, bless the reading of your word to us now. Give us the ears to hear and the mind to understand. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading is from Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. The New Testament reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? This is God's word. Good morning, you guys. I am the youth director here. My name is Abby Jo Havens, and I brought, like, my chunkiest Bible with me, and I'm like, usually I move this over there. I don't know if I'm going to do that today. I might just wander, so um, pre-apologies for how much I'm going to walk around during this, but because it's a brick, I'm going to set it here. Um, All right, so let me set the scene. It's about 30 years ago, pretty much this same week, first week of first grade in Carrollton, Texas, good elementary school. I go out to recess, the best part of the day, and I get out there and all the boys are playing soccer. And I was like, yes, that's my favorite sport. I'm going to play soccer too. I get out there and I was like, hey, can I be on one of the teams? And they said, no. And I'm not naming names, Jeffrey and Andrew, but Jeffrey and Andrew said girls can't play soccer. And so I promptly stole their ball. And um, I kept it with me for all of recess. All 15 of those boys were chasing me everywhere. I would bounce it off the schoolhouse, throw it down the slide, whatever. I kept it away from them for the whole 20 minutes or whatever it is that kids get. And I must say, one of the best recesses of my life. I still remember every moment to this day. (laughs) And when it all came to an end and the whistle mercifully blew at the end of recess, uh, I remember I I handed him back the ball and he goes... I guess maybe tomorrow girls can play soccer. And I was like, every part of me, like, I I just felt so vindicated by that, right? And so it wasn't that uh, girls couldn't play soccer, it's that kind of boys didn't want girls to play soccer. It was a subtle but important difference. And so, um, as you might imagine, uh, throughout history, 
women have not been treated awesome. And I'm not just talking about playgrounds in Carrollton, Texas. I'm talking about all of human history across the entire globe, every continent, every civilization. Um, throughout all of human history, women have kind of had it rough. Misogyny is kind of a fancy way of saying um, a mistrust or a mistreatment of women. And so we've been going through the Bible and doing questioning Christianity, and we've been trying to, to ask tough questions lately. And so one of the questions is, is the Bible misogynistic? Is God misogynistic? Does he favor men more than he favors women? Um, and looking through history and looking through the word, we're going to try to unpack a whole lot of things in a very short amount of time. Um, and uh, I'm excited to go through this, but before we do, let's just pray real quick. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being the type of God who loves us when we don't deserve it and for being the type of God who steps into our mess and helps us walk in our everyday life. As we try to look at the Bible and try to follow you, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and insight and that it would be your Holy Spirit directing our conversations and directing our thoughts um, and just directing our spirits. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so... Um, Throughout history, women had it pretty rough. A lot of times they were treated as property. And so uh, even still to this day, um, I mean, you can ask Ross Havens. He has a trophy wife, right? And so that's, that's a way to say like, oh, like, it, it's sort of a compliment. It's sort of not a compliment. But like, people used to have lots of wives. They would uh, like win a war against another country and they would collect the wives and children's and take them. And it's a little bit complicated because sometimes they would do that to protect the women and sometimes they did it because women are pretty. And so they would take them and they would go make new nations or whatever. And so um, we were treated like collectibles. Um, we were just means to have children. Um, there were a lot of ways that women were mistreated. And arguably the United States has been one of the countries that has gone out of its way to treat women better, but even still, women couldn't vote here until the year 1920. Um, we couldn't have credit cards until the 1970s. There is a thing called Title IX that allows uh, girls to play high school sports, and it makes it available to both genders to be able to play sports, and that didn't exist until 1972. That was the same year that they, like, you used to be required to wear long skirts, and in 1972, they were like, you know what? If they want to wear pants, let them wear pants. But that night, how many of you guys were alive in 1972? Not to point fingers, but that was like in your lifetime, right? I barely missed it. I was close by. But um, uh, women have been allowed to wear pants my whole life, which is pretty awesome. But like culturally speaking, there have been some pretty serious divides, even within the church. And so um, we're going to go back and kind of unpack all of this. But like I said, it's a huge brick of a book. There's a lot to look at. We're going to start at the beginning. Vance got up there and he read out of Genesis. And so we're going to start at the beginning. In Genesis, it says during the creation story that God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and go and multiply. He didn't say... I bless man and woman. Who are you again? He didn't say, I bless the male and the female is a plus. It wasn't like that. It said that God blessed them and gave them dominion to rule over. Um, and so throughout Genesis, God is setting up the world. Everything's kind of getting put together. 
And so in Genesis, women are referred to as a helper, okay? And so the word that they used was, uh, I might be mispronouncing this, so if I do, make fun of me later, but it's spelled E-Z-A-R, Ezar, Izar? I'm not sure if it's like a hardy or a softy, but we're going with it. So um, he uses this word Ezar to describe women as helpers. But that word is not only used for women in Genesis. He uses it to refer to women two times. Um, he, he says that women are Ezar, they're helpers. Three times he uses this word to describe nations that come in and help Israel when it's besieged. So Israel gets in trouble, it's taken over in a war, and then other nations come in and help. And he uses that same word, helper, Ezar, to come in. And then 16 times, God uses it to refer to himself as the helper of mankind. And so it's easy to hear the word helper and be like, oh, that that means like you're subordinate. The helper is just kind of like second class. But the thing is, because God uses this same exact word to describe nations, nations helping each other does not make one subordinate to the other. If America jumps in and helps Ukraine, Ukraine doesn't rule us now. That's not how that works. We don't become their subordinate. God, certainly by helping us, does not become our subordinate. Thank goodness, because I would not be very good at being in charge of him. So... This word is not helper like you're below. It's helper like you're an ally. You're coming in. You're being a rescuer. In our worship songs this morning, it actually talked about God being our rescuer. That's the same exact word that he's using in Genesis. And we sang it as a congregation because really it's incredible that the God of the universe would want anything to do with us, much less to come down and help us. But that is the word that he uses to refer to women. So by design... In Genesis, we learn that women are not designed to serve men just because they're men. We are designed to serve God alongside men. So, um, not to say there hasn't been failure in this area. Sin enters the world, spoiler alert, Adam and Eve, they don't make great choices, um, and there's this whole like fall of mankind thing. If you have questions about that, it's a whole other discussion. But sin enters the world, and humans are not in community with God anymore. We have chosen selfishness, and we are walking in that instead of walking with God. And so all through the Old Testament, we still see women being sold off as property. Um, they're given uh, to new husbands with dowries, um, and they're, they're largely under the rule of of male family members. And it's complicated because sometimes it is meant to protect, but ultimately they become second-class citizens whenever humans start getting involved. And so the treatment of women is pretty negative. But then the best thing ever happens. And if you have questions about this, I'd love to answer them. Jesus comes along. He's the best. So the Son of God is born, and he comes into the world. He has no sin, and he starts going around, and he does things that are crazy to people. He is talking to people that are, like, racially, oh, we don't talk to them. Jesus talks to them, no problem. Hey, we don't do that. Oh, Jesus does that. And so he is going against culture, like, tooth and nail. And so Jesus affirms women and he affirms people that are racially different than just the Jewish people. And so um, he addresses and interacts with women publicly. During first century, this was like a big no-no. Um, but there are countless, countless 
times in the Bible where Jesus speaks directly to women in public. Um, How he speaks to women is tender. He calls them daughter, or he calls them daughter of Abraham. And so his language is tender. The people who cared for Jesus were female. We learn that in Luke. Jesus taught both men and women. Um, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for both men and women. And so when it was for all of humankind, it wasn't like, hey, this one's for the boys. It wasn't. It was for everybody. Women were the first evangelists. Um, We learned that in John 20 and in Luke 24. They were the ones that went to the tomb and realized that it was empty after Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and dead for three days. They go to the tomb, they realize it's empty, and they run back and they tell everybody else. In fact, there is a scholar named Michael Bird who said that Christianity was made fun of for being a religion for women and children because of the female evangelists in the very first part. And so it, is, it was incredibly inclusive for its time of women. Um, looking through all of the Bible and, and doing so much research, I have not been able to find a single instance where Jesus belittles, disgraces, reproaches, or stereotypes a woman in all of that. Um, in fact, he does the opposite. There is the woman at the well Nobody is supposed to be talking to her, and Jesus engages with her and tells her about the living water. There's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and she is so desperate for change, she reaches out for Jesus' robe and touches it, and instead of being like, ew, gross, you've been bleeding a long time, he embraces her, and he's he's part of her story, and he helps her. And so Jesus' example is absolutely pro-women. The early church... Uh, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Last weekend, Ross and I went to a baseball game at Hodgetown, but it wasn't like a sod poodles game, although go poods. Um, it was a boots versus badges softball game where it was, uh, the police officers of Amarillo versus the firefighters of Amarillo. And apparently they really like to argue. It's pretty fun. Um, but, uh, so they play against each other. It gets pretty competitive. And there was a, a firefighter sitting behind us in the stands. And every time somebody would hit a ball and it went over the second baseman's head, but it was in front of the outfield, he would get real passionate. He'd be like, trouble ball, trouble ball. And I, from what I can pick up, if you yell trouble ball, it means... Are they going to catch it? Nobody knows. Are we going to catch it? Are we going to miss it? Where is it going to land? Who knows? So that brings us to the early church. Trouble ball. Okay? I don't know. Trouble ball, this is where it gets a little tricky. So Paul is an apprentice of Jesus. At this point, I know I'm going like survey style through the Bible, and I've hit just like a billion years in like 15 minutes. And so I know that I'm jumping around a lot, and I'm sorry, um, but just stick with me. So Jesus has died on the cross. He died for three days. He rose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. And he's like, hey, yo, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you guys. See you in a while. This is the Abbey paraphrase version. I don't, um, I, I don't know if it said it in those exact words, but that's the gist. So he goes back up to heaven, um, and he leaves the Holy Spirit with us. And so there's all these people that, for the first time ever, are Christians. They're trying to follow Christ. They're trying to live with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them, and they're starting churches, and they're in community, and they're trying to learn about what to do and how to do it and how to honor God. And so... Um, All these new churches, they're getting together, and they're in, like, all these different towns, and there's this guy, Paul, you might have heard of him, and he gives a lot of instructions to the new church. And so, this is the trouble ball when it comes to how women are treated, right? 
And so many people use two verses in the Bible um, whenever they're talking about the Bible being misogynistic, whenever they're saying that the Bible looks down on women. And so they're talking about a verse in 1 Corinthians 14, and they're talking about a verse in 1 Timothy. And so Paul is writing letters to churches on how to conduct themselves and how to be Christians. And in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about prophecy and tongues. And if somebody's going to be speaking in tongues, you need to have an interpreter. And he's talking about... um, uh, I lost my place. There it is. He's talking about orderly worship. And then in there, he says, women need to be silent in church. In 1 Timothy, he's writing to a different church. And he's saying, pray for all people. This is how you conduct yourself. This is how you walk as a Christian. Also, women need to learn silently and submissively. And so those are the two verses that people are looking at when they say that the entire Bible is misogynistic. And these two verses can be interpreted more than one way. The first way they can be interpreted is literally. And so that means uh, that when he says in 1 Corinthians that women may not preach or teach, that's it. Women may not preach or teach. Literal. Cannot. Um, It is worth noting. uh, So this is called complementarian. You guys all have to say it too because I had to say it. Ready? Complementarian. Okay. All right. So if I have to say the big crazy word, you have to say the big crazy word. Um, So this is called complementarian. It means that women are supposed to just compliment men. They're not supposed to be deacons. They're not supposed to be elders. They're not supposed to preach. Um, They are only here to compliment the men and and serve underneath them in a different role. Um, Even the most complementarian view of Scripture doesn't take it entirely literally because it says that women are supposed to be silent in church. And I've never been in a church, um, even one that's incredibly complimentarian, and I've been like, good morning, and they're like, shh. Um, So women are allowed to talk, uh, so it's it's maybe not exactly literal. Um, So that's, that's one of the ways that people view it. The other way that people view it is within context. And so uh, there are arguments that women were uneducated at the time. Um, That's actually just kind of a fact about the day. We weren't doing a whole lot of schooling back then. Um, And so uh, looking at it in context, Paul is talking to specific churches about specific issues. And so the other way of viewing this, instead of literal and instead of complementarian, they're looking at it in context, and it's called ego. I can do this. No, no, no. Focus. Focus. Egalitarianism? Egalitarian? That was it. Your turn. Egalitarian. Egalitarian. All right. It's good. So, uh, the egalitarian approach, um, it looks at the Bible as a whole. It takes into account that the Old Testament had prophets and judges that were women, It had people that were teaching the church that were women. It takes into account that Jesus was kind and inclusive to women, that they traveled with him, that they did ministry with him, that they were the first people to to do ministry um, and come and tell the story of the tomb. And so if you look at it contextually, you look at the Bible as a whole. It doesn't discount all the ways that God used women because of these two passages. Instead, they interpret this as Paul speaking specifically to specific churches about a specific issue that they are having. Here's the tough part. 
Interpretations leave room for error. Either way. The literal way, there's probably some error. The other way, there's probably some error. And so in our hearts, um, it is really easy for me to wake up in the morning and be like, man, I really hope the Bible says what I want it to say today. I want it to be like, today you're going to wake up and fall in a pit of money. It'll be great. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's Abby 1-1. That sounds great. That's hedonism. Okay, so hedonism is wanting everything to be about my pleasure, everything to be about serving me. And so sometimes as humans, when we read the Bible, we're like, I really want it to say whatever sits right in my gut. I want it to say whatever feels right to me. I want it to say whatever I want it to say. But the thing is, God is God and I am not. God is God and you are not. And the Bible is God's word. And so even though we might struggle to interpret it and we might mess it up a little bit one way or the other, God's grace is enough for us. And so if you want the Bible to say, girl power, overthrow the patriarchy, I don't need no man, it doesn't say that. I'm really sorry. If you want the Bible to say, women exist to serve men, go make me a sandwich, it doesn't say that either. So what does it say? In Galatians, it says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, it says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, hey, there's some condemnation if you're a girl. It doesn't say that. It says that you are one in Christ Jesus, that as his church, we are called. In Ephesians, it says, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It doesn't say, hey, girls, submit to the dudes. Hey, dudes, submit to the girl. No, it doesn't say that. It says, submit to one another. And so if you are male or female, doesn't matter. You are called to submit to Jesus's authority. Women don't have to walk around just submitting to to men because they're men. Men don't have to do the opposite. And just, oh, well, she said, so I have to. Happy wife, happy life. It's no, okay? So if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believing Christian, you are part of the body of Christ. The hand cannot say to the foot that I don't need you. The man cannot say to the woman, I don't need you. The woman cannot say to the man, I don't need you. We are all part of the body of Christ. So when we're asking, is the Bible misogynistic, what are we really asking? Because that's, there's a whole lot all rolled up into that. Um, Will I ever have to submit to someone? Yes. In godly community, when we are all working towards the goal of honoring God, we submit to each other all the time. We need to encourage each other to follow Christ. We need to push each other away from sin and towards God's grace. We need to take care of each other, and we need to submit to each other. I don't get my way all the time. If I did, that would be bad. My way is kind of the worst Okay, Um, so if you think that you're never going to have to submit to somebody, that's not what it says. Will God use me even though I'm female? Yes, God designed you for good works. If you are a believing Christian and the Holy Spirit dwells within your soul and you get up in the morning and you are praying and you are communicating with the God who created everything, the God who knows the amount of hairs on your head, the God who knows your name, the God who has called you, then yes, yes. You are designed for good works. 
He knows exactly what you need to do that day. He knows exactly where you need to go. And he's going to empower you to do that with the Holy Spirit. Does God hate women? Quite the opposite. God raises women up out of cultural oppression. The world treated women badly. Throughout this book, women were treated pretty poorly, but it wasn't celebrated. This book, actually, like, if this was a movie, it would be rated R. Like, there's a lot going on in the Bible. When you start reading through it, there's war, there's adultery, there's people that are, like, murdering each other. That's not what it's about. Those are human stories that God steps into. So there is misogyny in the Bible, but it's God stepping in and helping people walk out of that. And so God does not hate women. The Bible is not misogynistic. The Bible is not a celebration of humans treating each other badly. It's God treating us well, even though we treat each other badly. So if you're a man in this room who loves God and you walk with him, you are called to ministry. If you are a female in this room and you love God and you walk with him, you are called to ministry. God has set out good works for you to do. It could be in your family. It could be in your school. It could be at your job. It could be in your social circle. It could be with your neighbors. But God has designed you specifically to be a part of the body of Christ. And he knows exactly who he made, and it was not an accident. God blessed them. God called them. God called you, whether you're male or female. So, um, if you are not a Christian in this room and you have some doubts and would like to visit about that, we've been doing Q&As after. Are we doing that today? Yep. Yeah, I got a thumbs up from the senior pastor. Okay, we're going to do uh, like a Q&A time after the service. If you'd like to dig into any more of this, that's fine. Um, it is okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to still be thinking it through. But the best spot to look for answers is here. Look through the Bible. Ask people questions. Um, that's fantastic. And so whether you're egalitarian or complementarian, there is room for all of us in Christ's grace under God not above or below each other. We are all part of the body. The hand, the foot, the eye, the male, the female, God is going to use all of us. Snoop Dogg is a rapper. Uh, thank you. Uh, Snoop Dogg is a rapper from uh, the 1990s and early 2000s, and he has recently kind of changed who he's rapping to, and he came out with a children's album that's pretty popular at my house. And uh Mostly, I'm not going to encourage you to go to Snoop Dogg for gospel truth, but he accidentally stumbled upon one, um, and his song goes, everyone is different, and that's okay. Everyone is different. It's better this away. And so Snoop Dogg and the Bible have agreed, it is okay that you are a male or that you are a female. God wants to use you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being bigger than us. Thank you so much for being a God that steps into our stories and a God that steps into a world that doesn't treat each other well. Thank you for designing us to be exactly who you want us to be. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to live within us to do good works for you. Without you, our life is empty. Without you, it feels purposeless because it is. With you, we are designed to make the world better and to bring your hope and your joy to others. Thank you so much for using us and whether we think this way or that way or however we interpret the Bible, thank you for covering us in your grace and for giving us each other, that we can love one another and that we can seek after you no matter what we're doing. In your name I pray, amen. Okay.